welcome to Moniker, the histories and mysteries of names, the show that never claims to have coined anything. We talked a couple of episodes ago about how facts that are condensed into meme form are seldom accurate. They're punchy and easy to consume, but more often than not, they perpetuate misinformation rather than facts. I am guilty of downing these factoids and listicles like so many Diet Cokes, and I know that I'm playing right into the hands of some evil algorithm. Once you start having kids, you get targeted listicles with fun facts about baby names, like top 10 Irish baby names that'll make you want to kiss the Blarney Stone, or five Italian names and their romantic origins. Mamma mia! They're so fun. Of course, it's all just clickbait crap with the thinnest veneer of actual information. But in this faux intellectual swamp of my own design, I've been intrigued by lists of names that were coined by famous authors, like 10 names you didn't know come from classic literature. Not surprisingly, lists of Shakespearean names are a common occurrence. And that brings us to today's subject. In this, the first of yet another miniseries, we will be exploring names that are commonly attributed to Shakespeare. The series will cover names like Jessica, Miranda, and Olivia that have all allegedly sprung from the fertile brain of the bard. But is Shakespeare perhaps getting a little too much credit? I know, hot take that Shakespeare isn't all he's cracked up to be. We've all heard those rumors about how he plagiarized his butt off, but that that's another thing. That's not what this is. What we want to know is this. Did these Shakespearean names exist in any form before the works they are attributed to, or did Shakespeare just invent them whole cloth? Let's find out. We will start our journey with Jessica a romantic-sounding favorite of the early millennial baby pool. That's baby pool as a distinct generational cohort, not like an actual pool full of babies, which is really just a pool full of poop and pee, but I digress. Jessica is popularly thought to have originated in Shakespeare's The Merchant of Venice, which premiered in England in 1605. Most baby naming sources tout this factoid as the name's full origin story without any further inquiry. But we know that that can't be the whole story. The Merchant of Venice is a comedy in which Venetian merchant Antonio defaults on a loan provided by the Jewish moneylender Shylock. Now, there's a lot of scholarship on this, and we'll get into some of it later, but suffice it to say, it is anti-Semitic AF. So just be prepared. While Shylock, being the villain of the piece, embodies every negative Jewish stereotype of the day, his daughter Jessica is fair and lovely, and thus redeemable. In one scene, two characters make fun of how different Jessica is from Shylock. Quote, There is more difference between thy flesh and hers than between jet and ivory, more between your bloods than there is between red wine and Rhenish. End quote. And in another scene, the jester-like character Lancelot describes Jessica this way, quote, Most beautiful pagan, most sweet Jew, end quote. Yikes. Much is made of her loveliness, but clearly it's not just Jessica's appearance that distances her from Shylock. 
Jessica herself tries to make it clear that while she is related to Shylock, they are in no way alike. She says, quote, Alack, what heinous sin it is in me to be ashamed to be my father's child. But though I am a daughter to his blood, I am not to his manners. Ho, oh, Lorenzo, if thou keep promise, I shall end this strife. Become a Christian and thy loving wife. End quote. Jessica flees her father's house by eloping with the Christian Lorenzo, an act which she believes frees her from both the taint of Judaism and eternal punishment. This was back when religious identity and salvation were inextricably linked with kinship bonds. However, even Jessica isn't immune from some of Shakespeare's anti-Semitic humor. Before running away, she heartlessly takes some of Shylock's treasured possessions— which is quite possibly a wink to the audience that she's still greedy in the way that Tudor English people would stereotype Jewish people. It's like, yeah, we're rooting for her, but she still has her crazy Jewish quirks, lols. Ultimately, Jessica's manner and appearance are what make it acceptable to the audience for what would essentially be considered an interracial marriage to take place in the play. However, her name is indicative of the culture she must overcome. Scholars believe that Shakespeare's Jessica is an anglicization of the Hebrew name Yiska. Yiska means vision and appears super briefly in the book of Genesis in reference to Abraham's niece. The evolution of the first consonant sound is really interesting and may not have been complete during Shakespeare's time. The Hebrew language does not have a J sound. Many names that we now begin with the letter J were originally written using the Hebrew letter Yod, which had both a consonant and a vowel iteration. When the Bible was translated into Latin, the best match for the letter Yod was I. The I could be placed at the beginning or middle of a word, making a Y or J sound. Or it could be placed at the end of the word and given an E sound. As a flourish, scribes would often put a hook on the I to close out the end of the word. This was called a swash and was the beginning of the J's modern look. Just think about what a capital I looks like, and then just add the hook at the bottom, and, you know, what do you get? A J. The sound of the Latin I continued to evolve throughout the Middle Ages to sound more and more like the soft J as in jam. In 1542, the Italian grammarian, poet, and humanist Gian Giorgia Trissino is believed to be the first scholar to differentiate between the sounds and produce the letter J. In fact, Trissino is credited with translating the Greek Jesus into the English Jesus we know today. Interestingly, while The Merchant of Venice was written around 60 years after this event, Shakespeare did not use the letter J in any of his works. This doesn't mean that Jessica was pronounced with a Y or an I sound necessarily, but it may not have been that full-fledged J, J sound as in jungle, that we use today. But if Shakespeare anglicized an existing Hebrew name for his Semitic ingenue, why did he choose a name that was so obscure? Why didn't he choose a name from among the great biblical matriarchs like Sarah or Rachel or even Miriam? 
Why did he choose a total rando from the Old Testament? Obviously, we'll never know Shakespeare's motives for sure because we can't ask him because he's dead. But I think the reason seems to be influenced by two key events. The 1290 expulsion of the Jews from England and the Protestant Reformation. By the time of Shakespeare's plays, the Jewish people hadn't lived legally in England for generations. However, anti-Jewish stereotypes were still very much part of the zeitgeist. The late Middle Ages saw a surge in anti-Semitism in the British Isles, stoked mostly by the righteous Christian fervor stirred up by the Crusades. To make matters worse, Jewish people could charge interest when lending money, while Christians were forbidden to do so. The result was a bitter resentment and hatred towards the Jewish population. In order to appease a frustrated parliament and nobility, and settle his own debt, King Edward I ordered the expulsion of Jews from England in 1290. They were not legally allowed to settle there again until they were personally invited by Cromwell in the mid-1600s. So the audience of Tudor England probably didn't know very much about Jews, nothing accurate anyway, because they didn't encounter many. Thus, they may have taken Shakespeare's word for it that Jessica was a common name for a Jewish girl. What's more, names common to the era like Mary, Elizabeth, and Anne had been anglicized for centuries and filtered through Latin languages, removing them even further from their Hebrew origins. The fact that they're from the New Testament probably provided distance from Judaism as well. But these names were not directly translated from the Greek Bible to English and then let loose on the population. Anne, Mary, and Elizabeth, in similar names, went through the whole rigmarole of Hebrew to Greek to Latin to Old French or Germanic before making their way to the British Isles via Catholics from the continent. And speaking of Catholics, that brings me to the next cultural flashpoint, the Protestant Reformation. The Protestant Reformation, if you didn't know, was taking place basically around the same time Shakespeare was writing his plays, throughout the 1500s and into the early 1600s. One of the period's key innovations was the increased availability of the Bible via translations and the invention of the printing press. Never before did the average person have the ability to possess a copy of the Bible written in a language they could understand. The more people read the Bible in its entirety, the more exposure they had to biblical names outside of the conventional stock of anglicized saints' names. In the early 1600s, Old Testament names like Leah, Sarah, and Rachel began to flourish for the first time amongst the English. So Shakespeare's Jessica, in Merchant, predates, just barely, this mini-explosion of Hebrew-derived names he could have chosen from. Honestly, though, I don't think Shakespeare would have chosen a less obscure name even if he had a cache of them readily available. Jessica's obscurity helps enforce Shakespeare's othering of her and her father based on their faith and their race. Her name is meant to sound so foreign and sinisterly exotic that the audience assumes, wow, she must be really, really Jewish. It helps shape the hurdle she and the audience has to jump over for her to have a happy ending. If her name was Mary, that hurdle might not seem so high. 
In the hundreds of years between Shakespeare and modern times, the name Jessica floated around Europe as an uncommon given name in the English, French, and Spanish-speaking worlds. Its first appearance on naming charts in the U.S. began in 1880. Its popularity surged to its greatest historical height in the mid to late 20th century with multiple pop culture namesakes in real life and media. Jessica Rabbit in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Angela Lansbury's Jessica Fletcher of Murder, She Wrote, etc., etc. Jessica was the most popular baby name for girls in America from 1985 to 1990, and then again from 1993 to 1995. It's like the Grover Cleveland of the baby naming charts. By 1999, the name dropped out of the top tens for all U.S. states east of the Rockies, except for Illinois and New York. By 2010, the name fell out of the top 100 on the charts. But don't feel bad. 25 years or so is pretty darn good for a name to be that high in the charts. So much more sociocultural significance with this name than I anticipated. And I mean, honestly, how many screen sirens had the name? Angela Lansbury, Jessica Rabbit? Which one's the greater sex symbol? You tell me. If you want to learn more about Shakespeare's relationship with the character Shylock, check out the book Shylock is Shakespeare by Kenneth Gross. Gross offers an in-depth analysis of why the character has become even bigger than the play itself, and he makes the argument that Shylock is, on some level, Shakespeare's proxy in the narrative. If you want to learn more about Jewish identity in Elizabethan England, check out Shakespeare and the Jews by James Shapiro. This book gives a lot of great contextual information about anti-Semitism among the Tudor English and how that manifested in the absence of the Jewish people themselves. Well, I had a lot of fun today, friends. Thank you so much for joining me today on Moniker, the histories and mysteries of names. If you have a name you'd like featured on the podcast, please email me at monikerpod at gmail.com. Until next time, my friends, farewell!